Hello, everyone, and welcome to Exploring Awesome. This is the show where I explore tips, tricks, and strategies to help you and me to live a more awesome life. Today, I am super excited to bring someone on today uh, because I've been following this guy for a while. We're friends. We're colleagues. We've even gone out and done some street hypnosis together before. Everybody, welcome Aaron Braun to the show. Hey, Aaron. Hey, everybody. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing really well, thanks. I want to let everybody know too. You are um, you're you're listening to uh, and watching Exploring Awesome. You may be catching us on Facebook, on YouTube, or you may be listening later on Anchor or uh, blog talk blog talk radio. Listen, everybody, if you want to uh, join in on the conversation, if you're listening on Super Bowl Sunday, it is Super Bowl Sunday, uh, two seven uh, February seventh, two thousand twenty one. We invite your live questions. You can type a question into whatever platform you're on, and we will answer those questions. Hey, do you have a team in the uh, in the game today, Aaron? You know, I'm going to be. I am not a huge football guy myself, but with that said, I'm not rooting against Brady. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not a huge football fan myself either. So my favorite meme to post every year is is Grumpy Cat saying, "I hope both teams lose." So <laughs> you can never go wrong with that answer, Jim. Go wrong with that. Never go. <laughs> can never go wrong with that. Um, now, you know, the reason I wanted to have Aaron on because I mean, now, so I've been following him for, for a while on, on Instagram. Check him out on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle again, Aaron? You know, actually, that's a really good question. I need to familiarize myself with that form here because that's the way to take off. My social media handle is A. Braun. That spelling is B N. So A dot Braun underscore eighty six. All right, that is the way to take off. You know, um, and I'm I'm sorry. I uh, I should have that all in front of me, um, but I don't. Um, there's his uh, Facebook. Everybody, you can reach out to him on Facebook. Eventually, I know he's going to get himself a website. He's going to do all that stuff because this guy. Follow him. He's going to be he's going to be big. I can I can tell you that right now. Um, he's already big. Do you, do you want to just get this out of the way, Aaron? Can you just show us the guns right away? Unfortunately, I've got a long sleeve shirt on over here, so you can't see a whole lot underneath. Oh. I'm more modest today, but uh, <laughs> if you're my Facebook, you'll see you'll see an abundance of pictures there. Ah, that's a, oh, that's a good way to get him to go over to the uh, to the Instagram. Good thinking, my friend. Good thinking, my friend. I'm going to show my guns too, so you can't even tell the difference. But when you go on Instagram, you will see a difference. Believe I, me, I can everybody. see the definition right to the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you um, sometimes I think that we, you know, people look at at successful people in whatever area, and you're obviously very successful in the realm of building your body. You've you've got you know you've put in a lot of work, a lot of time. And, and I know, you know, one of the things I used to think of is I had a, a kind of a fixed mindset, meaning that I sort of thought that's just the way people were, you know, you, you know, I, I, if I looked at this in the past, I would have said, oh, well, Braun probably had, you know, his parents had him eating healthy when he was a kid, had him exercising and they built that discipline into him and everything. And then I'm reading about your story and, and you, you don't have that story, Aaron, you don't have that, that, that story at all, do you? No, absolutely not, Jim. Uh, virtually the polar opposite. Um, growing up, I didn't have opportunity to special athletics, you know, or collegiate athletic nature. Never was really introduced to what it even meant to be. My, my meals consisted of Taco Bell, McDonald's, the box, multiple times a day. 
a case of Mountain Dew throughout. That was the life that I was exposed to up. So I really didn't know any better from there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, and you can see, you know, and, and uh, Aaron did send over some photos. Unfortunately, on this format, you can't see them. But um, when you go over to Blog Talk later, the folks that, that listen or go over to Blog Talk, that's blogtalkradio.com slash exploring awesome. You'll see a couple of photos. But you know what? Really, just go over to his Instagram. Like, he, you know, hit over there and you'll see what I'm talking about. He really has just done an incredible job of turning his life around. Um, do you want to just, you know, I know it's a, it's a, it's a long story, I'm, I'm sure, but could you give us the highlights of your childhood? I mean, I found it really intriguing, the parents and, and how, you, how you were, you know, who brought you up and all that stuff. Absolutely, Jim, I'd be happy to. It is a long story. In fact, I'm currently working on an autobiography myself. You can read the entire story virtually from day one up until now. I'm 34 years old. So I'd be happy to talk about the important part of that. Yeah. So I was a I was a prodigy. My parents were 13 and 15 when I was conceived. So you can imagine they were just children themselves. You know uh, that's that's unfathomable to me. put myself in that position to be able to understand the burden that that. Must uh, immediately yeah. when I was born, I fell into the care of you know my maternal grandmother's side. Essentially, was raised with my mother. Um, my mom was in the picture off and on, but she, she had been more focused on her social, you know, being my dad wanted to be in the picture a lot more, but being in the maternal side of the family, he was perceived as the villain, not the case at all. Um, so he mm. do as the 15, 16 year old teenager were virtually tied to his involvement in my life. So I had a lot of exposure to my dad, not any fault of his own, but he was perceived in such a manner that they kept him away. Uh, the story was actually told to me from my, I was probably an infant. I was about one year, like maybe a year old, maybe a year and a half old. Um, I was my, my grandmother was, um, when I was a child, my uncle, which was my brother was watching me, but if he, he was having a house party, having, you know, all kinds of friends where they were drinking. So it's told to me, uh, my great grandmother had called to check on me to see how I was doing. She was very overprotective, very concerned. Nobody answered the phone. She drove over to the house, found me sleeping in my crib, but everybody else was partying upstairs. People were smoking, drinking, and she was fed up. So she took me out of my crib, brought me to her place. She left. Nobody even knew that I was gone. Um, So she kept me there with I spent the majority of my younger years growing up with her. A lot of involvement. She was very overprotective didn't really allow a lot of contact for my uh, so I would bounce around between my maternal grandmother to my great grandmother back and forth um, totally moved to California afterwards to life in, in the movies she had these aspirations of being surrounded herself with people in the music industry the movie industry and so forth and she kind of went off and did her own thing uh, my dad was still being kept away from me Asian but not a lot anyway to cut to the chase um, my grandmother worked as a bartender. Now she was a sweet woman. She would give an offer back for anybody, but she did have a drinking problem. Uh, she had a pretty severe drinking problem, actually. Uh, she was a bartender as well, incidentally. Uh, her and my grandfather, my biological grandfather, had was born, so I pretended to know him. She met another man in the role of my grandfather. Um, severe drinking problem. Very 
held on to a lot, a very angry man. Um, so by the time that I was about old, my great grandmother took ill. She moved to a home and I spent the majority of my time there forward with my grandmother. I can recall times back, back to when I was about eight or nine years old where I would be home alone in the house. I could go out to the bar to drink. I, I didn't, I didn't know how to take care of them. You know, they yeah. tell me they'll be back at a certain time, not back. You know, one in the morning goes by, two in the morning goes by. I'm starting to panic. I don't know what's going on. This was pretty routine. Childhood. They would go out pretty much every weekend to do this, and I had no idea when they would come back. Um, wow. So I saw that. It created a lot of anxiety within my um, They would come home right. extremely drunk, intoxicated, gee, you know, angry at me and throwing things at me in the room. Um, that was my life growing up. So I, I was exposed to a lot of, you know, that type of abuse uh, growing up, you know, and it frightened me to death. I'd be in my room not knowing what kind of demon is going to be coming through those doors now when they come home. They could either come back and pass out or he'd come back and he could start yelling at me and throwing things at me and, you know, basically terrorizing me. So I had yeah. a lot of that embedded into my subconscious mind when I was really young. Um, and, and, and it was pretty crippling. Yeah. But, uh... So you were rescued, but then, but even the, the rescuing still wasn't ideal uh, living conditions. Absolutely, hmm. a phenomenal way to really put you know. When I grew up, you know, as a bartender, grandmother, she didn't have time to really cook meals or anything of that nature. I wanted what kid doesn't want McDonald's or Taco Bell or ice cream, right? You know, that nature. Going down the path at a pretty young age. I, my routine, I would get up all a specific time. I'd get up in the morning and I would, you know, ask for, you know, McDonald's breakfast. I would get Taco Bell for lunch, Jack in the Box for dinner. And, and here, get this, Jim, to top that off, when she would come home from work at 2.30 in the morning, I would call her at work and ask her if she can swing by fast food and pick up more for me at 2 in the morning. I would get up just to eat. I'm talking probably 2,000 calories worth of food and go back to bed, do it all over again the next day. Um that was really the summary of my childhood, you know, at least my pre-teens up until I was about maybe 12, 13 years old. Um, wow. You know, that type of exposure is, is, is essentially. You know, and it's, it's, it always strikes me, too, because, you know, when you're in that situation as the caregiver, um, I, I get it because I've been there too, where you want to make the kids happy, you know, and, and what, you know, that's, that's, they're, they're not happy when you serve them, you know, the, the healthy, the healthy lunch, you know, they, they're happy. They're, they're excited when you bring them the McDonald's, the, the Taco Bell, that kind of stuff. And so it's, it is challenging as a caregiver. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, another point that I wanted to make too, is when I was in school, most of the kids would either bring a sack lunch or they would eat at school. Not me. You know what my grandmother would do? She would go to Taco Time, which is a fast Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And she would bring me Taco Time for lunch, brought off in my class so I could eat at lunch every day of the week. Now, I can't even comprehend how expensive that got. My brain, you know, as an adolescent, right. I had no idea how it would be, but never questioned it. But that was my life. Wow. Every day. Wow. Wow. You know, I'm reminded too of a, you know, I worked with a client one time who, um, he had come in after, after a couple sessions and he said, Jim, I'm so, he goes, I have, he, had, he was going to fast food all the time and he was in his thirties or something. And he said, Jim, I have not been to fast food since our last session. I'm like, yes. And he goes, well, he goes, 
uh, the only time I go now is to get it for my kids a few days a week. And I'm just going, no, no. And he goes, no, but they're really active. But people, it doesn't matter because you were active when you were a kid too. It's when you grow up is you have this, you form those eating habits um, when we're kids. How did you, how did you end up breaking free of that? I mean, that, because that, that food's addictive, really. It really is. And honestly, I didn't really break free from that until I was able to break free from you know, the depression and the anxiety until probably my early twenties. You know? Wow. I was so burdened with guilt. My mother moved up to California. I felt that I was into her. Um, all, all these things really weighed in on me and I ended up getting into some trouble at school and, and you name it. One thing led to another. I was just burdened with depression and anxiety. I was overweight. It, it really was early twenties to where I had a grip on my life and turn that around. Um, I'm I'm going to be completely honest. I went through a, a rough divorce when I was in my early 20s, uh, made some decisions that I am not doing. And that was the rock bottom point for me in my life. That was the point to where it was either I need to take some drastic action to move forward or, you know, these thoughts of suicide were going to manifest physically. It wasn't a good spot to be. I and mean, not a lot of people in my immediate circle were really aware of how I was mentally. Yeah. Yes, I was overweight to a degree, but the mental component of that is really what crippled me and plagued me to where I just really couldn't function in my day-to-day life. Yeah. And so it was, it, would you say that, that the divorce um, and, and the, and the, the situation surrounding that was what was for change? Um, had you been thinking about it before? Was it something else? I would say, I would say the uh, divorce was really the catalyst for that. Uh, made some decisions, you know, that ultimately ended that marriage that I am I'm certainly not proud of doing, but they're, t- they're decisions that I'm able to evaluate those and move forward. At. But absolutely it was. And interestingly enough, um, I, I came across the Puyallup Fair. So now it's called the Washington State Fair, I believe. And I was really interested in the hypnotist show that they had going on, the hypnotist that was performing out there. And I was really fascinated by that type of work. I had never been familiar with hypnosis before, never really understood the concept of what it was or how it worked. But I was fascinated by that moment in this state of rock bottom, absolutely fascinated. After the show, he talks to the crowd and he said, for anybody interested in the more psychological aspect of what I do, feel free to approach me after the show. And that was the moment right there where I felt a calling to my soul right there, where I was I had the opportunity to take action and move forward. From them, it just aired, you know, layers of the onion moving forward progressively further and further. Nice. Nice. And, you know, I know um, uh, doing both, doing, doing the comedy shows and doing the, the, the hypnotherapy part, it's, um, you know, it, it is challenging because, you know, a lot of times as a hypnotherapist, we run into people that, that think we're going to make them bark like a chicken or, or whatever. Um, um, but it is such a great way to get the message out about the power of hypnosis. And so that was your introduction to it. And so did you utilize the, the hypnosis? What did you what did you do there? I did. So I talked to him after the show and I approached myself. I don't even know where to start. Can you help me? You know, I just basically threw yeah. myself at him. You know, he had a whole season tracks that he had. And yeah. it was finally to the point to where I had to, you know, take it and start implementing these. I started listening to some of his tracks that he had customized for self-confidence or building self-esteem or letting go of depression. And I got to tell you, Jim, yeah. I had gone to counseling. I had gone to therapists. I have seen psychologists mm-hmm. who had diagnosed me with depression and general anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder when I was a teenager. I had seen them for probably about off and on two years. Didn't talk openly about it because I was embarrassed. I got to tell you, 
after working with one session, completely unraveled everything that I had ever known about myself. Years of counseling, years of therapy. It felt good, but I never really got to the root to undo it and reappraise that. Hypnosis was able to do that for me, able to help me. I still had to take the necessary steps to move forward, but it provided me with the tools and the knowledge to do that. Who was the, uh, who was the hypnotist? His name was Travis Fox. Travis uh, he had yeah, performed there for he had performed there for over a decade. A great guy. Uh, I don't yeah. believe he's still doing it, um, but, but phenomenal guy. He's helped me a lot more than even realizes. That's awesome. I love to hear that. Um, so you so and this was in your when your early twenties when you discovered hypnosis and started making the changes. Is that right? This is my early 20s. So I discovered it when I was still married, implemented it yeah. until I went through the divorce and I realized I need to take some drastic measures to move forward. It was between the time yeah. that I had divorced to the time that I really started dating again to where I knew I had to really do some deep soul searching within myself to let go of all those burdens from the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, the, you know, we, we, we see the physical part, um, but it really started in the, the the mental the mental part. There was, I mean, did you did you have in your idea this this idea that wow, I'm gonna get you know I'm gonna get super buff. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know become you know a, a physical trainer. Those kind. I mean, what what was the thinking at that time? Or was it just getting getting? I never had getting any, better. I never had any had any remote you know idea at all. Turn into that. You know, I, I knew I wanted to become healthy. I wanted to lose weight. But I never yeah. ever fathomed the idea of actually becoming athletic and fit. Excuse me. Uh, until I started <clears throat> moving forward with my physical training, that I was able to start developing a new path. And once I discovered that passion in life, I was able to snowball off of that. Um, one thing led to it. Once I became healthy and I dropped the weight, I discovered that as my passion, and I was able to start implementing new steps to become really fit, more knowledgeable in the thing, more knowledgeable in health and nutrition. And you name it. Uh, it was a snowball effect and it, it's led me to where I'm at today. Nice. Nice. Um, you know, and I think that's such a, um, a great point too, because I think, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, I work with a lot of people that are just like, Oh, I hate exercise. I don't want to exercise. And if they looked at it, you know, guys or women, I, I don't want to get all you know, big like that and everything. And, um, or I don't want to put any effort, but um, what I just heard somebody the other day talk about, you know, I just started walking and then all of a sudden I wanted to run. And I found that same thing. It's like some, for some people you start doing these little things, but suddenly you go, you don't even who, who I mean, who is this person that wants to do even more now? And I want to do even more and more. And that sounds like that's what happened for you. Absolutely. And uh, once I started developing that momentum and building that momentum for it's so much easier to carry forward with momentum built than it is to actually begin in the first, but you have Hmm. to start. You have to be willing to start someplace. And once I did the momentum spiraled forward. Yeah. Yeah. That, that those just that this doing something, um, I think it's just so, it's just so overlooked, you know I mean? Again, uh, so many people think that, uh, you know, and like I did, I thought, you know, you had to just be born with discipline, right. Or you had to be born with willpower and, uh, and you really build it up over time and, and you're really a testament to that. And uh, I love, I love this. Oh, and I got to say, I've been watching some of your, your uh, Instagram videos of your box jumps. Holy Lord. This guy is like Superman. He's, he's jumping like, <laughs> what's your, you look like you're jumping your, your body height in there. 
<laughs> I'm working on it, Jim. <laughs> I, uh, that, that's something I've been consistently working on throughout the years. It's, you know, again, much of that is so much of the mental component to being able to see yourself envisioning yourself on that box. Physically, yeah. a lot of us have the capability to do it, but mentally we're too reluctant to pull the gun. I think the same principle can be applied to a lot of things in life in that. But yeah, box jumps are something I've been consistently working on for several years. So many. And now you kind of alluded to something earlier. You, you know, you talked about, you know, if you're going to if you're going to um, put yourself out there and, 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 you know, kind of, you know, get out there, you got to start doing the social media, whatever. But but kind of alluded to the fact that you do help people, because I did notice something you did offer. Um, uh, I think maybe a report on how you built your built your arms or something. You, you offered that up there on, on IG or something. Um, so do you work with people? Do you help people to to get healthier? A hundred percent, Jim. Absolutely. It's something that I'm currently developing on, on building more myself. I, I yeah. do help people on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I help people in many different facets of life, anything from the physical component to the mental component. Um, mm-hmm. People often ask me what I would describe myself as. There's really no words. It's a motivational speaker, perhaps, but a physical fitness coach as well. I'm very passionate about being able to walk other people through their hardships in life because I was there at one point mentally and physically. I understand the challenges that accompany that. But I also yeah. know that there is hope. Even if you cannot see the hope, there is hope there. So it is a passion of mine to be able to walk other people through what burdens are holding them back in life. Boy, I could totally see you being a motivational speaker. I mean, what a great a great message to give to high schoolers or, you know, um, even middle schoolers that, you know, um, boy, because there's so many so many kids are stuck in situations and and some of them may be worse than yours or, or, or you know, better, but but still a lot of really challenges. And I think that that could be, you know, give them some hope. Definitely. I could, I could definitely I agree. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you know, we, one of the things that we like to do on this show is, and before we, before, before I actually, before I say that, um, if you need help, please reach out to Aaron. Also uh, look up Travis Fox, you know, um, I don't know if he's completely retired or not, but I'm sure he's still got recordings available. I'll tell you, I actually started off. Um, I had gone to a hypnotist years and years ago, but I only went one time, so it didn't really do much. But I, I kind of got started myself with listening to audios, and and um, you know, they're not, they may not be the 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 ideal situation. Ideally, you're going to sit down with somebody who can give you a, a personalized session. But but man, if that's if you've only got you know 20, 30 bucks to spend, you want to give it a try. Shoot, give it a try because um, it can really get you started at least. Um, if you want to, also, everybody, if you want to just try one, just see what it's like. I always offer this one, my unlimited happiness. Go to jimkellnerhypnotist.com slash free dash hypnosis. Uh, you'll get the free hypnosis, unlimited happiness. Very popular. Aaron, the whole idea of this show is to help people to live a more awesome life. And when I sent you over the, the, the invitation, I said, well, I really want to get three tangible steps that people could do um, to get started living a more awesome life. And before we, you know, before you tell us those, I want to just remind my audience, as always, if you've listened, I always tell you, pick one. Don't try to do everything. Pick one, do it for a week or two, a few weeks, and then add the other one and then add another one. Um, Aaron, what do you got for us? Absolutely, Jim. Uh, I'll talk about the three P's to success in any endeavor in life. I speak about this routinely in my videos. I love that. Those three P's are passion. Yeah. You need to be able to develop or discover a passion for what fuels your soul, what aligns with your conviction, what lights you on fire every day. You need to be able to discover or develop passion. Number two, persistence. 
Persistence is consistency. Our daily actions must be consistent. Even when we feel we're lacking the motivation to move forward, if we're consistently taking the necessary steps to propel us forward toward our passion, we're on the right track. And lastly, but definitely not least, this is where most people seem to fall off that wagon. It's perseverance. Mm-hmm. Perseverance is persevering through adversity when circumstances become too difficult. When things become difficult, people often start to doubt themselves. They question themselves. They question their ability to do it. They question if it's right. They question, you know, a, n- a number of factors on there. That's where a lot of people give up. You need to be able to persevere through adversity to be able to achieve your goal. So passion, persistence, and perseverance Three things you can do to live an awesome life, guaranteed. If you do them, you'll achieve a lot more than you ever believed you could. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, that's awesome. Um, and I got to say, I mean, if you um, if you looked back at that guy, you know, even even uh, as late as your early twenties, you know, when you were you know still married that first time around, could you ever even have imagined that you you were going to get to this place? Never, never. I don't even have to think about that for more than a fraction of a second. It was unfathomable. Yeah. And one of the questions that was asked of me from Travis Fox was, what do you want to be in life? I said, well, I just want to be happy. He said, what, mm-hmm. that, what does that mean to you? Yeah. I didn't have an answer to that. How can you live a life that you can't even define for yourself? Yeah. That shaped, shaped my whole perspective. Wow. Now that's, you know, that's a really great point because, you know, that's the thing, you know, they, I mean, we oftentimes, and, you know, I, I tend to, I, it's easy for us that are in the industry that have been around this kind of language for a while to forget the fact that, that a lot of people, they have no idea what we're talking about. So when we, when we say things like this, uh, the, one of the great examples is, you know, would you get on a boat with no destination? I mean, um, you're not going to get to your destination if you don't know where you're going. Right. And so uh, I love this having a plan. Um, I want to, you know, I, do you have a few minutes? Could we go over a little bit? I, I wanted to clarify a few things. Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to. Good. I want you to, um, and I will go back and I'll just, I'll, I'll answer the question I answered you too. You know, I remember when I was like in my early twenties and I would, I would listen to um, these motivational videos and I watched Tony Robbins on, on TV and stuff. And I thought, wow, I would love to do that, but I'll never be able to. And now I'm a motivational speaker. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so amazing when you start working towards these things and you can do it. Now I may never be as big as Tony Robbins, but I'm a lot further along than if I never would have would have tried for it. So I'm you know, that's something to keep in mind, folks. Say you're talking to me. I'm I'm this. Uh, or say you're talking to yourself. You're married. Um, your life sucks. <laughs> you're overweight. You're unhappy. You're depressed. You're anxious. How do I get passion? How do you get passion? You know, I believe uh, for me, I was able to objectively look myself. I realized what led me to where I'm at. And for the longest time, Jim, I lived a lie. I lived a lie. I would pretend to be happy on the outside. I was not. I needed somebody to call me on that. I needed somebody to clearly pinpoint me and back me into a corner to where I had to be objectively honest with myself. That was difficult because it's easy to put on a facade of what we want to be, how we want to convey ourselves to other people. But until we can look ourselves in the mirror, I always say you can lie to the world, but the one person you cannot lie to is the person looking back at you in the mirror. I was lying to myself every day. And I knew it I had to be objectively honest with myself. Once I was honest with myself, that's one more layer pulled back, discovering that I feel a lot better now. That's just a small step forward, but it's actually much more monumental than one might think. So that was the first step, being objectively honest with yourself and who you are at the core. Is this the same person that you're conveying to other people? 
Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, I think something too, like, um, so you're 34 now, you're doing these, these magnificent box jumps. You're, you know, you've got the, the, the guns from Navarone. Um, <laughs> um, is that the movie Navarone? Is that that? Yeah. I just came up with that. You can use that. Um, no, I'm actually not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old World War II movie, I think. I don't know. Um, nice, nice. Anyway, um, the, uh, you're like, no, I won't use it. That's fine. You keep it, Jim. Uh, <laughs> um, you didn't have to get to this place before you started feeling happy, right? Absolutely. I, in fact, I would say it was the opposite. I would yeah. say the opposite is true. Yeah. So it's, this is the, you know, and I'm, I'm in a lot of groups, you know, keto groups and getting healthy groups and all this. And I, I see everybody is like, um, this is, in fact, you'll see my new meme this week. Uh, everybody's getting a preview of this. Um, because everybody's asking, how do I lose 20 pounds quick? How do I lose 50 pounds quick? I'm, I'm so depressed when I lose 100 pounds. And I, I always reply with, the quickest way to lose 20 pounds is to start six months ago. And um, so the, the next best time is to start now, just like the old, you know, the, when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? We'll do it now. But um, people are so obsessed with that end goal because they think they're not going to be happy, satisfied, um, uh, able to find love, love themselves, whatever, until they lose that 100 pounds or that 20 pounds, whatever. But I've found that it's steps along the way. Would you agree that it's every little you, you're going to start feeling happier within probably at least months, maybe even weeks or days, right? Oh, absolutely. And it, it goes back to discussing building momentum forward. Like you said, six months ago was the best time to start. We can't recover lost time. So the next best time to start is right now. Not tomorrow, yeah. not next Monday, not next month. Right now. Yeah, absolutely. And believe me, folks, you will. You know, it's every five or 10 pounds, people are going to notice it. They're, you're going to start feeling better. You're going you're gonna to step on the scales. Your clothes are going to feel, you know, less tight. And, um, and not only that, but you're going to start getting better opportunities in life. And I mean, just all kinds of things. So um, try not to be discouraged. You know, you talked about this, um, the persistence. Um, oh, especially, or uh, you said, even when you don't want to, to do it. And I, you know what I found is that you need to do it, especially when you don't want to, that's yes. when you need it the most. Right. Um, so, but what do we do? So if I'm, you know, I'm sitting on my couch, I'm, you know, I'm in my mid twenties and I'm eating, you know, Doritos and ding dongs and, and, uh, watching TV all day. And, um, and maybe I go for a walk a couple of times, you know, what do I do? How can I keep that, that, that percent, that, pers that persistence up, especially if I'm not seeing results right away. You know, honestly, the best thing that I would encourage other people to do, because I follow my own advice, you know, at least try to, to the best of my ability on this. But so many times I hear people say, oh, I just got to find the motivation or mm. I just can't quite get the gumption to go out there and do it. I don't know what it is. I'm just not motivated. Sometimes you'll never be motivated. And if you wait for motivation to come to you, you might be 92 years old on a rocking chair in a retirement home. So what do you do? I look at my day yesterday and I asked myself from an objective standpoint, I try to take myself from a third person standpoint. If they were to look at my life, were the decisions that I made yesterday truly in alignment with, with what I say are my passions? Mm. Was I watching TV when I could have been out exercising, when I could have been working on that book, when I could have been meditating, any, any aspect of self, of self improvement that, that is right for you. What could I have done better with my time? You have to be objectively honest with yourself about that and then do it the next day mm. without thinking too much about it. Because if we think too much about it, we'll get in our head. Once we get in our head, we'll start trying to make excuses to justify reasons as to why we should not be doing it. 
Once we start getting in our head, we'll tell ourselves these justifications so we don't feel so bad for ourselves. We just got to get out there. We have to take action and action. I always say motion creates emotion. So once we do that, that's building the momentum. I, man, I couldn't agree more. You know, you don't need motivation. You just need to get up off your ass and go do it. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, this is, this is such a great, a great thing you said too, because I I can remember a time when I really thought exercise, I was just like, God, what a waste of time. I've got all these other things I want to do. And, and, and sadly, I'll be honest, it wasn't writing a book. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't working on my business. It was, I wanted to watch TV really was what it was. And it was getting in my, and, and I just realized today as I've been, I've gotten into the habit recently of just getting up and going for about an hour walk every morning and I'm loving it. You know, I'm really enjoying it way more than I, I ever did watching TV or anything like that. So your taste will change over time and it, and it gets easier. So you're not going to have to to push yourself hard every single time. It does get easier, folks. It really does. And can you elaborate on perseverance? Because you've you kind of stuck with this for a while and, and it's pretty easy for us to, to maybe get our discipline, our willpower going for a few weeks or maybe even a few months. And then we, uh, whatever, we we just give up. Absolutely. Perseverance, arguably, I, I, they're all equally important to me, but perseverance from what I see in other people is where most people fall off the wagon. It's, it's succumbing to a lack of motivation. It's succumbing mm-hmm. to a lack of gumption. We don't feel motivated. Therefore, we do something to bring immediate gratification, right? I don't feel like going out to the gym because I had a long day today. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm fatigued. Now, it's important to differentiate valid reasoning from excuses. Only we know that. But those are the times where we must persevere forward. Can I really make this happen? Nobody ever regrets doing it. But at the end of the day, regret often comes from what we did not do. So that's where I always say persevere when 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 we don't want to do it. That's the most important time to do it. Boy, isn't that the truth? You know, if you're ever on the fence, should I work out? Should I not? Uh, Barring some sort of an injury or something, you will always be grateful to yourself for doing it every single time. Absolutely. I mean, without exception, really, you'll you'll never go, man, I wish I just would have stayed home and watched TV tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Jim, and I, and I like what you said about barring an injury or anything like that, because there are valid reasons. You know, we have a broken leg. We're probably not going to go to the gym and do some squats or some sprints. Right. Yeah. It's probably a valid right. reason. But if right. we're a little fatigued and tired, well, you know, only we know that truth. Yeah. You know, that, that reminds me too. I had a client one time who, you know, we got to make sure that our, that we're not just being too easy on our, you know, with our excuses. I had a client one time who, uh, who came in and she had a, she had a, a wrist thing on, you know, you know, a, a brace on. And I said, so have you been exercising this month? Her ex, she wanted to walk or uh, walking was her exercise. She goes, no, I hurt my wrist. I just started laughing. I, was like, I couldn't even help it. It just came, came out. I was like, but you're, and she was like, well, but it's like your wrist is not, you can still walk. Right. I don't. <laughs> so, yep. I've heard that one a time or two, or at least something similar to that. Internally. <laughs> it was something about the jarring motion. I don't know anyway, um, but we can all come up with great excuses for not doing whatever we need to do. Definitely. I can look, I'm, and the reason I can laugh at people is because I've been there. I've been in that same position oh, yeah. many times, many times. So, um, Aaron, man, what a blast to be able to catch up with you again. I haven't seen you in boy over a year now, I think, right. It's been a while. It's been over a year since we moved. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been quite yeah. some time, but you know, we see each other on Facebook, which is nice. I'm, I'm one thing I'm thankful for technology for is they'd be able to keep that interaction going. 
Yeah, right. I know people, um, you know, especially after the the social the social dilemma of that movie, I, I was uh, a little more concerned about it. But yeah, it definitely does help in in a, in a lot of uh, in a lot of things like this. Do you um, are you practicing hypnosis now for for other people? Are you doing it or just for yourself or? I'm primarily doing it just for myself right now. I am working on going through the proper licensing here in the state to do it. However, it, it is something I have several programs that I've already pre-written. I have several mm -hmm. tracks that I've already pre-written. In fact, those tracks are going to be the first thing that go up on my website as soon as I get my website up and published. Fantastic. I look forward to, uh, to seeing your progress, Aaron. I know you're going to be a, a huge name in the, in the industry. Um, Aaron, it's yeah, been just fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. It's been fantastic talking to you. Really appreciate you. Hey, likewise. I feel the same. Always good catching up, you. And hey, say hi to your um, to your wife. Um, Absolutely. Uh, you, found, yeah. you found someone. You found someone there too. That now was she in the physical culture before you guys got married, or? You know, she has been. Yeah, her. So her and I met. Uh, we met in Washington a little a little over three years ago when she moved there for her job. Um, yeah, she is. She's she's very active, like I am. You know, she loves doing it. But it's funny if you were to ask her, which I'm gonna I'm gonna have her watch this uh, podcast later on. If you were to ask her. She does not enjoy working out. If you ask her, she works out. She works out so she can enjoy eating food. That's what she'll tell oh, you. Whatever works. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Hey, everybody. I, um, I Once again, thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate having you on the show today. Hey, likewise, Jim. Thank you as well. It's an honor to be on here. And uh, hey, for you out there, out there watching, please reach out to Aaron. Um, you know, he's he really just you can see by his attitude, he's got just a great attitude, and really, um, he 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 understands. He's not somebody that's that's uh, that's you know had the the privileged life and was was brought up you know the right way of eating right and exercising and everything. He had a lot of challenges, and and because of that, he's empathetic and he knows what it's like, so he can help you to get through that stuff. Check him out on Instagram. Uh, check him out on Facebook, Aaron, B-R-A-U-N-N. -N. And uh, as always, take care, be well, be awesome. Thanks, Jim. Great talking to you. You too.